Hey, listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead! With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm G. Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Oh. Gore is love, baby. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is based on a true life story. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're continuing our celebration of Women in Horror Month as we talk with everyone's favorite goth gangsta princess about Patty Jenkins' 2003 serial killer classic, Monster. But before we get to that, let me remind you we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your gangsta hole. <laughs> so as the month of February continues, so does Women in Horror Month. And honestly, for me, this is a wonderful thing because we get to talk to some of our favorite women, women in, in horror, horror right about women in horror their it's, favorite women in horror right? it's great it's like a meta wonderfulness it's gonna wrap in the need itself here but last week uh, if you uh checked us out here uh we listened we had a chance <laughs> to talk with erica kaufman mm-hmm. from atomic cotton mm-hmm. who, so much fun so much i love the kaufmans They're the kaufmans great. are phenomenal as is atomic cotton so again make sure you are checking them out their wares if you dig horror mm-hmm. if you dig genre They've got a shirt for you. Yes, they Original do. designs, all that kind of good stuff. But you remember what happened off mic? I did remember what happened off mic. So we have, give you a little inside the peek of the, behind the process here, uh, where we record, I've got a little alien head that rests a crown, that rests the tiara of one particular friend of ours. A, a certain member of the royal court. Indeed. And believe me, I do not take that, you know, that lightly. That is something that is basically guarded down here in the basement. Yes, and it is. Our good friend Erica dared with such presumption. Such and insolence. Such arrogance. <laughs> that she threw the crown on. And let me tell you, I was vehemently saying, don't do that. There was going to be a rumble. There was, because what were you doing, genius? Instigating. Indeed. Instigator. I believe in crown karma, okay? <laughs> so I wanted to protect the sitting out. Not, not that I'm saying that Erica's beneath the crown. Far from it. Right. Erica is of royalty. But the, but the crown, that particular crown has already been claimed. This one has been christened, if mm-hmm. you will. It belongs to our next guest. Uh, and you all know our next guest. She is the director of both Call Girl and The Stylist, mm-hmm. which can be seen streaming on Shudder. Uh, welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead. She is the original goth gangster princess, Jill Gavargazian. Rest in peace, DJ Screw. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> She's back, y'all. Yep. I'm back, and Erica, I cannot <laughs> believe you have done this. Uh, you're going to be watch out because you're going to be sitting on fofos. Careful. You better, you better watch. But watch your you back, know. homie. <laughs> I wish I had a Mike Jones line ready to go right now. Damn it. Who? Mike Jones. Who? 281-330-8004. Holla at me. This is truly when we need a camera in studio right now because I'm staring at you all going, what are you all talking about here? Uh, I don't really know what's happening. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk us with again uh, here in the Women in Horror Month. I uh, love being here. I just said before we started, I want to come on every single episode. And when you realize you can sit in on every single episode, you're just... So she demanded it to the point where me and Greg were like, oh, okay, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> she brought out this huge contract. All of a sudden, I realized it was a writer. Right. She's demanding golden grams in a bowl. There was a guillotine somewhere in the background for if we do not comply, you know. The golden grams are already here, so I'm feeling good. You know, it's it's <laughs> much like it's like a green room, if you will. That's what we lay out for royalty. Again, not everyone gets... Well, actually, no, I take it back. When Zach and Erica were here, they immediately go, well, do you guys... Have, is there any food around here? 
And I immediately went to my fridge and I pull out some chili and a roast. And I'm like, yeah, I've got this. He's like, no, man, just like fast food. I was like, oh, my bad, my bad. Chili and so, a roast. <laughs> so you did. I know you're not a you're not a you know meat eater. So that's why I brought out the golden grams. I thought there was going to be a buffet dinner. Right, <laughs> veggie spread. <laughs> the the M and M's separated <laughs> by color. You know, so she only takes the green. Right. <laughs> so before we get to all the crazy Ooh. stuff. Before we get to the crazy <laughs> stuff, I don't even know what Too late. Too, we don't even know what the hell we're talking about. We're just having... <laughs> where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Uh, plug where they can find you out on the interwebs. Um, at Jill6, two X's like Mr. Nikki6 on everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then Six Tape, same thing, everywhere. And SixTape.com. Nice. Very nice. You were very fortunate to get like... You get that name. It's not six tape dot dot fourteen or something. You were lucky. That's good marketing, good branding. It was a miracle, and the name was all from Abby Stutzer, who's a writer. She wrote an article about me years ago and named titled it Six Tape, and I was like, "That's awesome! I need to. Can I steal that from you and name my company that?" Good job, Abby. Collaboration. Hell yeah, Abby. That's where it starts. Women in horror. Women in horror coming Holla. together. So we are originally we brought you on to talk a specific film, but before we even get into that, I want to know what's going on with Jill right the now. Sick dark mm-hmm. ass film. Right, right. <laughs> what's what's on the horizon? What's what are you working on right now? Lots of things. It's exciting because the stylist came out almost two years ago. So I've put out vi- music videos, but it's exciting to have films coming out again. Um, one. A film I helped produce, BFF Girls, directed by Brian Lonano. Um, that will be coming out sometime this spring. We can't say d- y- where or when yet. But coming soon. Very soon. Nice. Very excited for people to see that one. Um, it's like a fantasy live action anime film full of blood and guts. It's just, I don't even know how to describe it. And I love it so much. So this one is, if I remember correctly reading in like a synopsis about it, it's basically almost like a live action Sailor Moon with tampon monsters. That is sim- very close. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless or not, I'm kind of sold. And I don't know if that's There's one anything. tampon monster. There's just one. In this story. Let's uh, not give it a plural. Let's just say tampon monster. So live action Sailor Moon versus tampon monster. I well, sold, fucking sold. It's um, as silly as the film and crazy bloody it is, it actually approaches like a real topic. It actually is a very feminist, female-focused uh, film. It was written with Brian and his wife wrote it together. It's um, I've seen a lot of horror films that do like the period thing, you know, more exploit it, make mm-hmm. it funny and gross. Um, that's definitely not the like spirit of this movie. While it's like bloody and gross, it like has heart. It's yeah, it c- c- accomplishes something you wouldn't think is that possible. But it's, I, I'm really proud to be part of it and can't wait for people to see it. The cool genre film with heart is nice. Yeah. Exactly, and I can't wait to see it, see it. So who's who's in BFF Girls? Um, Allison Mayer, she's our lead BFF girl. Then a uh, Jessica Ship and. Oh, Lord. Sydney Thomas. We actually have... There's two casts of the BFF girls because they transform into Japanese superheroes. And so it's pretty... One of the biggest projects I've ever been part of. It's full custom costumes. uh, Half of it's on green screen, so it's crazy visual effects that they actually did everything the old school way. Like, we shot, like, backdrops versus using, like, digital backdrops. Just, you know, shot fog, shot, like, paint dripping into water uh, coolers, like, all kinds of stuff I've never been a part of. Like, right. that's not really my genre. So I was psyched to be part of one of Brian's films because he's very talented and does something I've had never done before. So I learned so much, and it's an awesome movie. <laughs> that's fantastic. And the fact that, like you said, you're learning new yes. s- different techniques and things just to further enhance your repertoire you know <laughs> that's awesome building yes. on the brand so what um, else is down the line i know there's another one there's another short film yes. that uh, i wrote and directed and we shot it over the summer as well last summer it's called 42 counts and it's a like a little horror thriller and stars najara townsend again who is the lead in the stylist returning from the stylist she's, she's great her and Andrea Dover, who Andrea was in The Lermans, a little vampire PSA yeah. I made for Women in Horror Month a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. The Blood Drive, yeah. Um, so excited to work with both of those girls again. And 
We actually, I'm going to announce this here for the first time for I'm, anyone who's actually listening. Yes, Nightmare Junket exclusive, finally. Um, the world premiere for 42 Counts will be at the Chattanooga Film Festival, which runs uh, April 5th through the 8th. And I'm going to be there all the whole time. I'm psyched. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> that so is fantastic. If you have any you. listeners in Chattanooga, yeah. you need Come to fucking be there me. or the princess I mean, will get you. And all my friends in Atlanta. That's only a couple hour drive. Oh, the dirty south. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know I love the dirty south. Hell yeah, keeping it dirty. <laughs> going to have the world premiere at the Freak Nick. It's going to be awesome. That's, Did they still have Freak Nicks in Atlanta? Um, I'm glad you didn't look at I me. Don't I don't know what is happening. Right I don't now. know what's <laughs> happening right now. No, that's <laughs> congratulations on that. That's Thank phenomenal. You. Really um, excited. The whole team. Um, what's crazy is the film is actually a few weeks from being finished, and we've gotten <laughs> selected on a. So it was, often we submit works in progress, but it's scary because you're like only certain people would you let see it at this point. Sure. That you feel like they know you well enough to know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. What the finished um, product will be. So this is now, of course, put also the pressure on me. Like, oh, I now actually have to fit the, get this done by an exact day. Deadline. <laughs> but I work. I like deadlines, so that's good. And I saw we saw a few pictures, and we won't give anything away. But holy it, shit, it looks beautiful. <laughs> it, it's, it's everything we've ever talked about. Your aesthetics is truly, and just yeah. even the the pictures we saw. So I'm I'm excited to see that. It um, it looks with like a six tape joint. Yeah. You know, I mean, like. Thank you. It looks the, really the good. The colors well, pop. And mm-hmm. Story is always number one, but I also want to be known for making stylish stuff. Um, and the way it ended up looking was just kind of fate with the location we found. But that's also the colorist, Taylor Jones, who when he sends me these samples, I'm like, I have no notes except for this is awesome. Don't change anything, <laughs> please. And then uh, Jordan Rio, he shot it. It's a... Uh, and I drew these horrible storyboards ahead of time, and somehow everyone made sense of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, even the sh- this one's only like seven minutes long compared to the stylus was 15. But even a thing this small is like a 20-person crew. Mm-hmm. Even though I like, I speak about my films like they're mine, but I want like anyone that worked on them to feel like they could say they're theirs the same. Like, we share this ownership over this yeah. thing. It's, it's a collaborative process. Well, and I know another thing that you're very big on is you want to also try, try to hire a certain amount of women in your crew as well. Yeah. Were you able to continue with that? Yeah. Um, and recently I've been going out to try to meet new women I haven't worked with yet or only worked with a little bit. Just getting together with them outside a set to talk about like what all do you do? What are you interested in doing? Right. Because sometimes I work with people. We don't even get the chance to talk that much on set except for about what we're doing right there. And don't realize all the other things that they're, they've either done before or interested in. Continuing the process. Well, you were on the, uh, was it IFC recently? Um, that little interview I saw yeah, live, um, which was the great. Was with Independent the Film Coalition of Kansas, Kansas City. City. They go. do a streaming show. And I was on there. I talked about actually the most recent video I put out, uh, I'm Ready by Loogie. Mm-hmm, which and you heard about here. Mm-hmm. Really just. Which is dope. I didn't have, that was the new, the most recent thing I had. I was like, I'm not sure how appropriate this is. The whole song is about cocaine, so what can you do? Kids okay. are going to grow up and learn really quickly. <laughs> I mean, the GGP was representing, well, it's like, I don't my like, I don't want to put the stylist <laughs> online yet. Sorry, guys, for free. And so I was like, let's show this video. I hope it, is this appropriate? <laughs> mm-hmm. Considering the audience with that, I think it would have been good. Yeah. I think you were okay with that. It's like horror. Either that or... Just Everything never... goes normally if it's a horror movie, but right, but the, heavy that's... drug references. That's when she's never asked back there in polite company. But that's the great thing about, the... <laughs> like, yeah, I know that. How I was going to say, you know, yeah. it's. But that's the cool thing about the "I'm Ready" video is, even though it's the music video, it's still very um, film filmistic. Like, is that a word? You know, very film- filmatic. Film- film- Filmatic's not a word either. <laughs> the filmatic the, the is it film- an analog picture show? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think sure. it's an analog picture show, which is some like term that Greg made up. It's the like the Rocky started. Horror. I hate y'all. It's the Rocky he, Horror. He meant show. a the panoramic photo. Don't you? How the hell does that turn into analog picture show? You know what? It, I think we're gonna make a musical titled that, right? I can't give Greg too much shit because half the thing, as I say on this show, I don't realize that I say on this show, and I'm like, oh, oh did I hear? It? Did I did I say that? So yeah. Well, no, Louis' video being a full on like film, that was all his idea. He's got great ideas. Like, yeah. 
I thought maybe I should collaborate with him writing stories because that was all him. Do you think you will? I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, will you? I think that would be cool. Okay, hint out there if you know you ever. Boogie, let's make a ghetto ass horror movie. That's what I want to do. I'm like, I why isn't there rap music? Wait, we can oh, put your mo- music in the film. There make we it, go. We could score there the entire score thing. And score a, a hip hop. Okay. Hip hop horror. It's okay. This idea just happened here. It's I'm just... gonna talk to Loogie about it. Another Nightmare Chuck exclusive. <laughs> All right, Loogie, listen. Let's make let, let you guys make some good horror movies. We will watch it. And I like that kind of collaboration you get with the local artist here. And I think mm-hmm. that and it's getting not necessarily like a KC local thing, but it's no, but some it's good pride to, there. Right. Yeah, Casey Pride. You, I mean, we've got some really talented people living here, and mm-hmm. some of them come and hang out in my basement. It's wonderful. <laughs> we count I ourselves feel like, fortunate. Like, Hip hop music in general is like represented in films except for when it's something that's extremely stereotypical sure. you know exactly I mean? like, not just an average person driving down the street right it's never there's, like, there's no subtlety oh involved. i have to be listening to some indie rock like a fucking s- stereotype of a dumb white chick but ev- sorry <laughs> but i mean like <laughs> but even in horror like when they use a lot of hip-hop and stuff it's always like showcasing like it's like leprechaun by, in the hood yeah. or yeah, something low budget situation. like the hip-hop witch or something mm-hmm. ridiculous Can like you that make there's no like le- the organic hip-hop horror film and like a legitimate one you and know it doesn't even have to be a hip-hop horror film just like have a, a horror hip-hop film with background. music in it yeah there you go yeah i, I, say I dig it i too great taste i totally Come on. dig it plus like hip-hop is really like lends itself to horror because a lot of it talks about the horror of society well so. isn't there a whole uh genre it's like horror horror society huh just kidding what'd you say <laughs> she's getting real on us nothing we'll say we'll say that trust me we'll get real People serious think and... that i am talked like slut shaming when i just said that would never i just make fun of how horror horror and horror sound exactly the same <laughs> anytime anyone asks what you do i make horror films you do what <laughs> then they give you that look and you gotta go no well horror right i have the same problem because i slur sometimes the horror the hor- the, welcome to the horror club like horror club yes i'm the sometimes president sometimes they're both <laughs> Ta-da. Horror films and horror films. Hey, every something scares everyone. <laughs> they shows the some demons to others. They need to show something at Forty Second Street. Something needs to be shown. It's so indeed. <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> so, uh, any other uh, updates? Anything that we can give us? Uh, the stylus is that continuing to evolve? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> um, is that? I mean, shit. Okay, yeah, no, we don't have to talk about that if, if we don't need to. That's if that's. I'm still... trying to make that movie. If there's anyone out there that wants to give us some money, hit that's... me up, email me. Thank you very much. There we go. Start doing like Mike Jones and just put your phone number. Some in information there. about who's working on that with me might be coming out at the Chattanooga Film Festival. Okay, there we go. Again, another Excellent. potential exclusive. Yeah. Oh, please keep us involved <laughs> on that because that's it. That's the exciting stuff. That's mm-hmm. you know, especially. Wait, maybe I should. I don't know what I should. Say. That's okay. Don't. No, I'm gonna wait. No, you should because okay. again, our does we have dozens of <laughs> listeners, but don't I know worry, things, they're... and then I'm like, what if it changes, and then I've announced something Ooh, stupid. That's <laughs> they always say that on the movie crypt. They're like, we want to talk about something, but we can't until like it's done. Yeah, because you never know exactly. what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and so now you're you're good. One exclusive event at this festival that could be canceled for all I know. <laughs> right, that hasn't you know like once it's announced in public, then I can talk about things. Moving on, okay. No, it's okay. That is okay. <laughs> that is why you are royalty. We we move at your leisure, if you will. <laughs> well, speaking of leisure, let's go ahead and transition into our feature film discussion here. And this is something we never really get to talk about whenever you're here. It usually devolves <laughs> from very serious film discussion into all the sorts of wackiness. Something interesting. But we Crazy. really wanted the chance to bring, again, like we mentioned, some of our favorite women in horror. Mm-hmm to talk their favorite women in horror. And so we introduced the idea to you and we're like, pick out a film, so let's talk about it. So of all the films to choose, why choose Monster? Well, and you know, it's, at first I said, I don't know if this will be accepted because <laughs> it's what most people would consider a drama. Mm-hmm. And while I would call it a drama as well, it's definitely horrific as fuck. I think that, to talk about that i think that people like generally they view horror like whatever that means as seeing it as more of like the exploitative type of horror like friday the 13th style mm-hmm. where the villains are like one-dimensional you don't know anything about them 
it's more like it's fun like you're making the whole thing fun and exciting and maybe scary but something like it's almost just the perspective if you tell the same kind of story about the same people but you flip the perspective like then it becomes a drama and i think it's just because you're telling the emotional side of the story versus making it a fun thing Mm -hmm. but i'm like i feel like horror can also be that be you know emotional um i think that's just the traditional thing and that's why we we have these debates about what's a horror movie you know it's like almost anything that's smart or emotional isn't a horror movie like that's offensive and it's (laughs) very rare we get to talk about academy award-winning films on this podcast and even looking Um, at yeah but like speaking of academy award-winning films that aren't considered like horror i mean look with the debate going on with like get out Mm -hmm. i mean that is 100 percent a horror movie but nobody wants to say any really smart like the witch the babadook all these films people oh it's a thriller they're not horror films yeah that's because they're not just like that straight like a straightforward silly slasher movie Mm -hmm. um but I picked this because this type of stories might like oh, going along with that. It, I like films that, you know, c- are come from the perspective of the quote unquote bad guy. And instead of, you know, make you, if anything, sympathize with them. I think that's like a that's a more challenging kind of story to tell and like a brave story to tell because it's easy to for us, like just in general with people we see in the news, whatever, to like label someone as a monster and like make them one dimensional it's mm-hmm. i think then it's easy for us to write them off like send them to jail forever or like kill them like yeah. that makes us not you know like it dehumanizes them mm-hmm. so we can like you know someone accept that we just like kill these people or put them in trap you know like boxes for the rest of their lives it makes them an easier uh, number like and this has got to be this is one of the best films i think ever made and one of the best performances of like all time i mean she's like Charlie's there on unrecognizable but um I just think I just love that type of storytelling there's not very many films that do that I like one others that comes to mind is like Sling Blade that can do something like that and that's one of my other like favorite films and I think one of the best performances of all time um this movie's like it's insane to me that it wasn't nominated for best film that year also and best director like that's crazy to me um it's just like a beautiful film, like the most tragic, tragic thing about someone who was just completely fucked by life. Like, yeah, that's oh my god, yeah. And I love tragic things, and not because I want tragedy. No, I don't even know right. what that means, honestly, about me. Um, but I'm just attracted to learning about why people become, you know, quote evil, and mm-hmm. ha- like how they become that way because it's normally. There's normally a lot of things that lead to it. It's barely ever just you're born crazy. Right. There's a cause and effect to it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it gets into the whole I, the idea of this cycle of poverty and abuse and how when you're stuck in that cycle, you can't, can't stay. And even throughout the point when she's trying, those moments when she's like, I'm going to make a better life of myself. And those scenes when she goes into the interviews, to, <laughs> that was some of the most harsh shit I've seen in the movie. That that gentleman... At the end, when she finally goes up and is like, fuck you. Yeah. The, the, when, she the goes, lawyer, when the lawyer's talking shit. That been when she finally goes, fuck you, Leslie, and that walks out the door. Yeah. There's nothing, but like, that's so, because she's trying to better herself. She's making yeah. the effort, but because getting. Because she, uh, you know, they don't, they show flashes of her childhood, but they don't show her parents and how she was treated. I think clearly they're leading to like just severe neglect, maybe also abuse, but mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. turned, you know, sexual like sex work young really early and i like that's that lack of like never getting love from the like the one you're you're, you're the people who Who's care for you. To love you um looking for it everywhere else so when she meets you know R- richie's character selby oh. that's like you know that's the one thing she's been looking for her whole yeah. life so she like you can actually see her making an effort to become a better person but she's so like so damaged psychologically yeah. that there's just no hope for her. Like she just, she can't take care of another person. Yeah. You know, like she, you know, she's willing, like she does so many destructive things to take care of her and even tries to hide it from her. Like mm-hmm. she's um, even, it's like, it's so tragic because she's met this person too late. Like she's already gone. It's, there's no healing. There's no yeah. coming back. Like for even. And Richie's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's also kind of in a desperate, lonely situation. Yeah. It, it is a heartbreaking movie. And what she does so it's it, it, she's trying so hard and to care for Shelby and 
like for the dinner scene when he's like whatever she's like whatever baby wants mm-hmm. and like you can't well fu- it was just a, basically you can't well fuck you fuck this shit and don't touch i mean like it's like okay yeah i understand but it's hard yeah, she's like she's not s- like em- emotionally or intelligent enough or any of the morally like have any of these things developed because enough? she's just been on her own having to do these she's things. a survivor yeah. she is she is and it, like, it's yeah. like you said with the, the interview when you, the cards are stacked so against you from the get-go when mm-hmm. you're trying to improve yourself and there's no ounce of um rem- sympathy sympathy or any like any of that like like the lawyer or even the uh the the one at the the lady at the um higher temperature she's like mm-hmm. well for you because what you are all we got is factory work and there's no fact well she's like what do you mean you know it's like it's it was hard it was hard to see this you know I and you felt so bad for her. i haven't i haven't seen this since it came out in the theater and then rewatching. i was telling you i mean i I, I cried quite a few times in this film, just the emotions it brought out. And again, I, it says probably more about me and my current station in life. But the fact that we're, uh, it's a movie about a serial killer, like basically, and it was the first, was it the, she was the first, first female b- serial female killer? Yeah. That's making me empathize with this character. That ultimately, and that's to me, I think the strength of like Patty Jenkins, just in terms of how yeah. she approached mm-hmm. the this subject with such reverence. But not to the point yeah. to make realize that this is a, a bad person. You know, right. she yeah. went out and did some heinous shit. But fact, let's look at what happened. There's some quote that I took offline that like they won movie of the year at the American Film Institute, and they say some, said something like, um, "Wait, I will read it exactly." Patty Jenkins brings to light this dark tale of a woman whose tragic story is never condoned, but definitely brought to light in all its complexity. So I think that's what's amazing about it. It's like. It, while you sympathize with her, it's never like, oh, poor, yeah. poor Eileen, you know, but at the same time, it kind of is. But it is. It's like her plea at the end to the judge, like, yeah. you know, she still sees herself just as a victim. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. So it's, fucking sad. That's just it. It's it. You like you mentioned, it gives you a face to this person that was demonized on a real quick snippet on TV that most people that's all they would get. And yeah. unfortunately, you have yeah. to realize there's so much more behind that. Exactly. All the people that were involved, the people, the lives that were affected. Yeah. And you talk about Charlize Theron. She is just and just even in genre films, so well represented and elevates movies that she's in. What she did in this movie is unreal. It's unreal. Like <laughs> I reread Robert Ebert's, Roger Ebert's, so sorry, rest in peace, uh, review today. And he said... When he first, he did not know it was her until the credits rolled at the end. <laughs> oh, really? Um, you don't recognize. I mean, well, no, yeah, she I mean, was that big at the time, but yeah, it's she does not recognizable, and it's not like his review is like, "Dear God, I wish I could speak like him." It's like ridiculous. He's such a good writer. Very um, eloquent. But just like explains like how you don't see any of that. Like she is her, mm-hmm. even if you just like look into Charlie's eyes through the whole film. It's like horrifying. This performance is like stupid good in fact she won 24 awards that I counted so far including the Globe the Oscar the SAG like every film institute in every city and state in the world as she should have I mean because she just delivers with this wide eyed those, the, that, those piercing haunting eyes and there's so much in her and eyes her, when like, she does body it body movement she's yeah, never whole, comfortable no Always she totally shifting, isn't yeah. right and then even have you noticed that little like kind of weird hair tick that she did when she would go forward and then bring yes. it all the way up and like i was watching interviews with like because after monster like i was saying off mic i went on this serial killer rabbit hole documentary thing mm-hmm. And like in some of those things, Eileen did the it same thing. It is like her. It exactly like her. Like Charlize Theron. She definitely studied. She her. St- yeah, yeah, she studied because her manner of speak, her 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 mover, her ma- mannerisms, her tics. It's spot on. It's insane how she just encapsulates this character, and that's all a credit to Jenkins and Charlize Theron. And there's definitely... and this is Jenkins' first feature film. Yeah, that's huge. And what? <laughs> for those of you that maybe lived under a rock. And then didn't make another movie until Wonder Woman? Yeah. I mean, she's done lots of TV, like mm-hmm. Sorry the Killing. She's re- directed lots of Arrested Development, as you brought up. <laughs> yes. Mr. That's, I, F. I did say I had to go, and I just after watching this film, she did direct an episode of Arrested Development. I had to kind of wash myself, because <laughs> this is such a just a moving downer of a film. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like you said, not only so just the... So upsetting. It, it, it truly is. Yeah. Just, 
Well, the, but that moment she turns into a serial killer, that motherfucker is so. This, I, I can't I even. Like, oh, if I rewatch the movie, I forward that scene. I'm not even going to watch it again. Are we talking about the first kill? The rapes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a, that's and a rough one. You're just like, ki- like, can't. You're like cheering once he she kills that yeah. motherfucker, right? Um, but then you you gasp when she's about to kill uh, Pruitt Taylor. Oh uh, yeah, and you're like, oh, I mean, you you this movie makes you feel complex, makes you like, okay, I feel bad, but no, she's doing some pretty heinous shit, but yet I still feel bad, but she's doing some heinous shit. It's it make it's a complex movie that makes you feel complex. Even moments where, like, after that happens to her and then she goes to see Selby and it's like, she doesn't even want to tell her. Like, no. Right. That's what's even, another just heartbreaking, like, moment. Like, even in all of this, like, she's still too ashamed to even just fucking just say, like, I was just raped. Like, mm-hmm. that's how fucked up this world is. Uh, like, that, yeah. that speaks volumes about yeah. the way society treats that. No, there's, in fact, that entire sequence, there's that bit where she's like, I'm right with God. And there's that, you can tell there's that whole attitude of I am surviving. This is what I have to do to survive because I'm not getting help from anyone else. This is what I have to do on my own. And it's, it's, it's stark. And what was, did you guys watch? Um, oh shit. That one about, oh, it had William Defoe. The title was something Florida. I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Damn it. I think. Oh, the Florida I project. So I think something along the lines of the line, but yeah, just people it. surviving, doing yeah. what they have to do day by day. And it's again, the shit we never see mm-hmm. it's those stories and th- those need to be told because you need to understand where does that come from this is honestly this was like i think what rob zombie wanted to do with halloween in terms of like you know where did michael myers come from and you get it so much better yeah. with monster with this kind of well, a film yes don't even put, like compare those movies oh no no no, no. Self-assault. no 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 but no. He, he was trying to make michael myers complex yeah. right, which that's what it doesn't work because when you're making What's like you said earlier like, that's one-dimensional what I like about his remake because like that's what I like about horror films. Mm-hmm. That's what the like s- hardcore Halloween fans don't. They don't want to know. I the think. explanation, right? Yeah. Um, that's what I don't connect to in like just real horror movies. I, that's why mm. Texas Chainsaw is one of my favorites of the like classics because you learn more about the killers like mm-hmm. than any of those than any of the big classics, right? Because right? you you see them interact. That's like the scariest thing in that movie. Mm-hmm. The whole family aspect yeah. of them, as opposed to like Freddy or Jason or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah, I I have to, it's trying to make a complex person, uh, or trying to make, that should be a one-dimensional complex. It can easily be a one, yeah. Like, right. A couple horror movies, like, do it, like, Maniac, mm-hmm. I think, does it. Mm-hmm. Even, like, he's, like, perfectly in the middle of, like, a slasher, and I feel horrible for him. Like, I'm sad yeah. for him. Uh, I'm trying to do that with the stylist. Uh, May. Claire, definitely. Oh, has. yeah, Claire. May is one, I think. May is a good one. Uh, Henry. Mm-hmm. Although Henry is like, you don't that's exactly. A little, oh, yeah. That's a little it's different. Weird. <laughs> Henry is weird because you like go in a roller coaster. You're like, you you start to feel for him, and then. Well, fucking is a spoiler alert. This movie came out 30 years yeah, ago. Right. Um, the end is so dark. Like you know, I really was like, oh, he's gonna like he really is connecting with this girl. Mm-hmm. Like this is a real thing, and then. You know, he saved that horrific scene at the end that he saves her from, and then still after all that, kills her. If anything, that was like really power. That was such a powerful thing to say. That like, nope, like yeah. he's a f- like he's a monster. You can't Af- fight your you nature. Can't get rid of that. Yeah. Like, there is no journey for that character. That's one it's... of those movies that you can't really watch. Very Again, many times. no. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I think I've only seen it like twice in my lifetime, and it's. I'm done. Well, that's that's what's interesting oh, with this God. entire genre in itself. Just serial killer, the rape revenge films. They are not easy watches. These are ones you just don't throw on in the back when you're doing laundry. Have you ever seen the movie Martin? No. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. You might want to check that one out. It's a George Romero movie about this kid who thinks it's a, he's a vampire. He does horrible, horrific, heinous shit, but you feel for him. You're. It's kind of like kind of like monster. It's like he's very he's a complex character in this movie. And I think that's the thing. I think horror can be complex if it's a character study. Yeah. And like Martin was a character study. Monster was a character study. Henry was a character study. And I think that's where you get the more complex issues and the actual heart of mm-hmm. the quote unquote monster. Well, that, and when the violence hits in these worlds that we're inhabited with these characters that we care for, I mean, it it's real. It's yeah. hurt. You see the effect of the violence. It, it's horrid. It's harsh. It's nasty. It's I mean, mm-hmm. but that's when violence is 
supposed to be. I mean, you can't, we yeah. can't totally desensitize ourselves to this horror and horrific shit because then we're no better than monsters. Right. Wow. I don't have a line after that one. I know, right? <laughs> to your notes, goth gangsta princess. No, that's a... Well, it's just... That, to me, is the... Also, let's even just even talk a little bit about... Um, like the serial killer genre in and of itself, just within horror movies, because I think you've got like kind of a hierarchy of what people would view as film. Like to me, Monster falls in with like The Silence of the Lambs, um, Zodiac, Seven, those kind of films that are straight horror, but are f- an elevated form of horror versus stuff like Deranged or, you know, those kind of films right. that I've probably seen lower tier. Do you have kind of a preference on any of those? Wait, am I picking my favorites? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm kind of curious on that because this is it's just it's a weird genre because like you said, a lot of people wouldn't consider this horror, but shit, after watching this, this is a straight horror film. Mm-hmm. It's also a straight drama. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and a biopic. That's why you're crying I know. the whole movie. But that's, <laughs> like... but that's the beauty, the complexity. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you can have these arguments with people that'll sit there and tell you to your face, no, it's not horror because there's that unfortunate like little stigma with horror still. I also understand the perspective of thinking of horror as supposed to like incite like this like scare like mo- like these like this different kind of feeling than a movie like Monster doesn't like set up moments to scare you. Oh, yeah. You know like yeah. so I understand people not seeing it like that in that way. Um, Again the traditional what you would yeah. see as right. a horror film. These words are all just so silly. Thriller, horror, what the hell, guys. (laughs) By label, you limit. It's all disturbing. Exactly. Yeah. It's all disturbing and sad, and I like it. Yeah. What kind of? (laughs) See, like, you're putting all these in a in a world, but I don't feel like like monsters at all in the same category as movies like Seven and Zodiac. It's like those are like cop. Those are like crime procedurals and what have you versus like we're not getting to know Kevin Spacey's character. You know, if it was from yeah. Kevin Spacey's perspective, I think right. when you're telling it from the the bad guy's perspective, there's not a lot of those. That's what I mean. Like, Yeah, that's true. Because Henry's from the perspective. Mm-hmm. Martin's from the perspective. Uh, Maniac is. Maniac is. There's a lot, but few and far in between. It's always from like like the the quote-unquote victim's perspective or the final girl or who the, uh, the loved ones isn't completely from hers but kind of i like that one a lot i haven't seen that yeah. one have i oh my Uh-oh, god okay. you guys will love this movie okay. yeah it's one of my favorite horror movies of the last 20 years the, the loved, loved ones. ones i mean it'd be my top 10 probably period huh we'll have to check that one out i know you guys are crazy right now we can't. Oh my God. Like we tell her, we as, can't see them all. He's the same director as Devil's Candy. Oh. His first, and it's like, I think it's even ten times better than Devil's Candy. Okay, and I, love I Devil's have Candy. heard of this one. Me then. too. I have heard Me of too. This one. Okay. Now yeah. that you attach the name to that one. Well, now I'm sold. Yeah, I, I want to no go see it now. Waiting for this. One. Okay. That's, man, we got just straight up shamed. Uh, okay, so listeners, we'll be right back. Everyone We're gonna go, go watch, watch the, the movie, yeah. and then we'll be right back no. after being thrashed. <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. It's after like an Australian. The royal plumbing. It's Australian. It's not like an Australian. Right. And um. I think the cover of the movie says something stupid like, it's like pretty in peak meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is somewhat pretty accurate, as stupid as that sounds. Does Ducky go around, dog, we'll hunt? <laughs> no, you're going the wrong way. With this okay. <laughs> Duck, we'll hunt. Oh my God. As quickly as it devolves there. Um, I know we can't have nice things. No, that's we, we never can. So I kind of just uh, other thoughts on monster and just kind of just serial killers in general in horror. I like I like my serial killer movies when they're done not so exploitative. You know, I don't like the trashy, like, do you remember back in the early 90s when like every other like there was always these mockumentaries or mock, mock busters like t- direct to video like knockoffs yeah right and whenever there was a serial killer movie that came out or something like that they'd always have like the untold story of richard speck or john wayne gacy house or blah 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 yeah, blah blah. Yeah. those i find absolutely asinine i don't and ridiculous. even watch those i assume they're not good like the, right 
There's like how many movies about every serial killer? I don't know which ones are decent. And like, which ones are actually sensationalized and which ones actually did some thought like Monster. Well, like I never watched that one, the one called Dahmer with Jeremy Renner. And you'd think since he was oh, in yeah. it, it's like clearly the start of his career. Yeah. That it would be decent, but I haven't heard that it that it's any. I don't know. Yeah. Apologies if a filmmaker is listening. It's like I, <laughs> was my heart and soul into that I just movie. I keep seeing that. Pi- the, I can like picture the cover, and I'm like, why haven't I seen that? Yeah. How the hell did they get Jeremy Renner in the fucking film? Well, and Oscar-winning uh, actor. Has he won? I mean, at least nominated a well, lot. He's an Avenger. It's fine. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing fine. He's doing he's okay. He was in Catherine Bigelow's oh, The Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Oscar winning The Hurt Locker. Hells yeah. yeah. Catherine Bigelow's a bat. You know a movie that, have you been able, have you uh, checked out Strange Days yet? No. Make sure you check that one out. It's Catherine Bigelow know, doing this like, it's sci-fi noirish. Uh, it's really yeah, freaking it good. Dude, it's, I haven't uh, seen Strange Days in a minute, but that movie is great. It's uh, another Catherine Bigelow jam there. That's so good. Sorry, that's another little tangent. I'm behind on her on her stuff. Oh, going back her, to her serial, old stuff. Her old stuff. <laughs> going back to serial killers and movies. Did you hear about they're gonna make a Ted Bundy movie, a new one with uh, Zac Efron as Ted Bundy? He's fine as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Did Bundy have abs like that? Bundy no, was but they Bundy was handsome. He was, like, he was a handsome dude. Yeah. I mean, like enough to like coax. But, but Efron, man, goddamn! I mean, yeah, he's like his abs have abs. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a dream. <laughs> he's granite. I mean, well, that's a what was that? A Mark High Harm- School Musical. Yeah, Mark Harmon was Ted Bundy in like the Made for TV one, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Eyes of a Stranger or something like that. And um, oh gosh, what is his name? Brian um, Dennehy was John Wayne Gacy. Really? In this 1982 movie. Oh, okay. It was, I think it was, but it was uh, from the neighbor's point of view. Oh, and that's interesting. Yeah, and okay. Brian Denny, he played Gacy, and he was scary as John Wayne Gacy. He, he has a presence to him. Yeah. He's a... Now I'm honestly trying to think of some other, like, based on true serial killer movies that are really mm-hmm. good. Well, I mean, and you go like to Ed Gein has like influenced or been the influence of the of Texas the Chainsaw Massacre, and that's so. Which does that count? He technically, wasn't a serial killer. Oh, there we go, there we go. And that's he only a... killed a couple people. So, so he's been sensationalized almost. <clears throat> then, do you? I'm going to school you, Greg. Do you know anything about Ed Gein? I do not. He oh, actually great. did a lot of the... He didn't do a lot of the killing himself. I think he only killed an old lady and another other person. But what he did was he did a lot of the... Uh, he did he, a lot of the digging. He did the, the gra- grave robbing. Yeah, he did a lot of the well, grave like, robbing. The the thing that's in like almost all the movies that are influenced by him is the whole... The mama, mommy boy issue and the sexual repression. That was from Ed Gein's story. But his mother taught him that Went, like sex was evil like mm-hmm. did was very insane when she passed away he started like he was obsessed over like um genitals and like he was in like doc like a uh, medical books he then he started grave robbing the town which it's a, like a hundred couple hundred people oh, live in this town Lord. and then, made the skin suits with the then he, yeah he killed so like they when they found his house it was full of like actual skin sh- like on lamps bowls like made mm-hmm. out of skulls the, yeah exactly yeah, all of that. a belt of nipples like literally like jars full of different things oh, mm-hmm. so it looked like he killed a million people but and that's where sh- all the inspiration for like the what the, yeah. what like texas chainsaw looks like the inside of their house yeah. um he did have like like he said like a full like sewn Body together suit. but it was, front de- of it was a already woman. dead flesh um, right but he, so like he wasn't like, this is why he wasn't like a smart serial killer that was all planned out. He went to the hardware store where, you know, like no, barely anyone lives in this town, kills the lady that's working. They like go there. She's missing. They look at the last person that bought something on the register and go straight to his house. So like he wasn't like a you right. know, methodical, yeah. smart man. Um, he <laughs> got caught after like killing, like, and he, they think he also killed someone else at a bar. And then like mysteriously his brother died. They think that he might have done it because his brother didn't follow like the mother's doctrine of how they were supposed to live really mm-hmm. um but yeah that town i've been to that town and understandably they're not very welcoming to people that are coming there to for that reason sure. and i right. think it's because people come and they do stupid disrespectful stuff they they treat the like the site like a you know like it's a movie set and like this is a real thing you do have to be respectful yeah. people, exactly. die. people die people yeah. die these people's yeah. family members right um, so like the actual grave where Ed Gain and his like mother would be like his stone is like gone 
and people have put all this like funny Halloween shit there. That's I understand like that's very offensive. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's, people don't realize like this is real life. This isn't a movie. It's not a mo- right. Um, I mean, it's different if you go to like the Fright Night House. Yeah, exactly. Versus an actual. Which you can go to the Texas Chainsaw House. You can act like that, but don't act like that. that right. On like on the actual the site, right? Um, I didn't even get out of the te- like by the hardware store. I was just I could you can like feel the town looking at you. It's like you're in a scary movie. Like everyone's like, the outsiders. Like, yeah. Um, oh, damn. Okay. Check, to check that one. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting is like this like psyche of his serial like of Ed Gein has like influenced a thousand stories from like Leatherface, Norman Tons of Bates. Lambs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buffalo Bill and Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs. Then, like, there's one of those characters in American Horror Story. Pretty much anytime you see someone wearing skin, it's they gonna, have the mommy issues. It's yeah. all, like, the same thing. Thanks, Mr. Gein. Yeah. yeah. There's a Slayer song called Dead Skin Mask that's about Ed Gein. That's the, the stylist inspiration, too. Wearing uh, the skin. Indeed, yeah. indeed. It's it's interesting, though, how, that's, how that actually kind of takes and its root in the popular consciousness, if you will. And then we find elements of it in all these horror films and music in almost everyday life, if you will. Well, yeah, because like she said that if we just said, hey, you know about Ed Gein. Oh, yeah, he killed like hundreds of people and wore them all. And like, well, no, not really. But he still does some hoodness and shit. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's- I think there needs to be more like actual documentary movie stylistic with serial killers without like sensationalizing it. And like, it's, it's a hard balance. It is. It's and I, that's probably why you don't see it all that often. Well, here in Kansas City, we had another. We know we have two. And, we, I, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying this like, hey, we've got it. Yay for us! But I think we have. Don't three. We have, we have it, three serial killers in okay. Kansas. Well, one is in Topeka. Um, one was the, in Overland Park, and then one was in downtown Kansas, Missouri. The one in Kansas, Missouri was Bob Berdella. Bob Berdella, that's right. Um, the one in Topeka was BTK. Oh, that's right. That's the, Wichita. Wichita. Which he's super famous, BTK. That wasn't that long ago. No, no it wasn't. That was... But there's another one that nobody talks about, and he doesn't have like a moniker or anything like that. And I'm trying to remember his name, but he was in Olathe. He was the one that had the sex uh, dungeon. He had this. He had this sex trailer dungeon on the side of his land, and he put the bodies of his victims in barrels and sealed the barrels and buried them out in the yard. And his name Jesus was Christ. Stephen. Oh, I re- Stephen yes, this Robbins. wasn't too long ago. No, this may be about five, six yeah, years I ago. Yeah, I do remember reading and about he, that. And he buried, like, there was, like, about, I think he, they said he killed, like, six different, like, prostitutes, Ugh. homeless people, all this stuff. And he buried them in barrels in the back of his yard. And so, like, yeah, and it was, like, outside of Olathe. Oh, that's scary. I do not remember that. I also remember, and I don't know who it was, but maybe in the 80s, I'm not sure what time exactly weren't there a lot of prostitutes being killed in downtown Kansas City? There being, was. And being, when you said barrels, it reminded me that I think being oh, like, they were being thrown in barrels. There I being, don't remember where the being, story is coming to mind. They're being, if I remember right, they're thrown in. Me. We should go to the Generation in, Y podcast. They'll probably school us on it. Throwing in trunks and in cars and then like left out in parking lots, if I remember, or sunk into the thing. And then there was a, a guy recently, uh, maybe about two years ago going around killing uh uh prostitutes up on um uh, downtown and he killed like about four jesus christ but he shot him and so like mad who needs horror movies when you have just the reality of what is everyday life anymore yeah seriously it just seems to be should be like fodder for this next generation of, of like of filmmakers, tours. I mean, there's an, unfortunately there's Everyday so much realities. mind. There's so many ideas to mine and horrible yeah. things that can just be the story unsensational, unsensationalized, told on on celluloid that it's fucking phenomenally insane. I know. And I was gonna make a joke about not necessarily wanting to search for like sex dungeon serial killer <laughs> in my Google because I don't want right? to like, end up on a list. No, I, if, if there's a list like that, I'm already on already it. On I guarantee it. it. Um, but yeah, no, it writes out of I think of as Olathe. She's fact checking us right now. I'm finding so many serial killers in Kansas. Oh City. no, oh, that's so oh, great. As long as my picture doesn't show up, we're good. <laughs> no, no particular shots of the Runjin. You're <laughs> right. okay and in the clear. They don't know yet. I mean, huh? No. I feel like. <laughs> Most people know more about Bob Rodella from here, and he was very much like, um, is it, I get some of the mixed up, is it Bundy or is it Dahmer that had the, it was all like male prostitutes that he was torturing? It was, it, no, it, yeah, he was torturing. I think that was, was Dahmer. that's what yeah. Bordella But Bordella did doing. too, Bordella mm-hmm. did too. And, and he, he like did put, the whole thing where he was like pretty much 
acting like he was the complete opposite like he was a halfway house for like people coming out of jail trying to get better you know like wow he would like supposedly try to help these prostitutes and Male oh, prostitutes. psych i'm gonna like tie you up in my and basement throw and you in the you. fridge in fact like he would slowly like people that are trying to get clean he'd bring them in there and like slowly start feeding them drugs again and like it's insane. And the only way so, they caught him was one of his captors escaped and ran down. out of the top window naked, naked. Naked and ran down 39th Street. And like. I mean, that's something freak. That's something they straight com- out of a West Craven film. They completely took the house that's, down because the neighborhood was so just like disturbed by the house being there. Being yeah. there. I mean, that, that, I mean, that is, that's something out of a horror film. That is, and it's, it's reality. And that, his store is now a hookah joint. Yeah. Well, he, I think Bob Berdella, didn't he have like he had a little thing had a little in thing. Westport Flea Market? No, yeah, no, not Westport Flea Market. It was Bizarre Bizarre. Okay, and there we go. It That's was right. right by across from, if I remember right, Blue Koi. That, okay, that, that area that right place. There. Yeah. yeah, and so getting now, regional here, folks. Yeah, so <laughs> we got regional. I guess about probably 15 <clears throat> minutes ago, we started about Kansas City serial killers. Right. It's but, a fascinating. Topic. Well, and I will definitely shout out the Generation Y podcast. Uh, they did a live podcast here uh, in Kansas City, and they are a Kansas City based podcast, and they are all true crime. So check out their back catalog. No doubt they've probably done a bazillion episodes on this, but if they haven't, there's a crossover potential there, <laughs> which is always good. So I would actually say, um, ultimately, obviously, Claire is kind of an inspiration from some of those, but do you think you'll incorporate any kind of these elements, just story-wise, pathos, or anything like that in your future work? Well, there is a more story coming out about Claire. Nice. I'm working on a feature length. I know, I know. That's <laughs> we, we didn't want to, like, you know. I mean, I don't know when it's going to get made because you guys out there all have to give me a million dollars, but then I'm going to make it. Well, is the, I mean, I mean, we're going to fucking make it. I'm just going to figure out how really soon. Right. Well, then the, I know that's probably how that is most of the battle is the financing, right. putting up. So I, because of that, I with her, like, she's, she's a little over the top like a horror character, but I want her to... F- her like motivations and her to feel like very human and real and emotional. Um, so I've read just like an insane amount about serial killers and very specific things that are very disturbing. And um, it's interesting. Almost always serial killers come from either like extreme abuse, like the kind of abuse you can't even repeat the shit right. these people have been through. Like you wouldn't think anyone would even have it in their head to do these kind of things to anyone, yeah. let alone a child. Absolutely. And or like it's extreme neglect, and it's like that idea. And you know these people typically sociopath, psychopath, only caring for themselves. And like at some point I read, and it's like the most simple idea, but that if, yeah, and we kind of brought this up earlier, but if the your parent or whoever that is that's taking care of you from day one if you don't look if they don't love you simply mm-hmm. like then you don't learn that give and take of love right the back and forth so from like day one you're basically forced to take care of yourself and only yourself mm-hmm. so that's what like develops that like sociopathic like behavior if you don't receive love yeah. it's hard to know how to give love exactly oh, and it's uh, a vicious cycle man and i tell you that's throughout the film there's just those really kind of nice tender moments sometimes between Eileen and Shelby and it's just it's nice because they because that's found what they each want. other yeah. they love they actually she Eileen loved Shelby so much and I just felt really bad when Shelby was like oh I met some new friends and blah 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 blah, blah. I was like oh show the stuff she's done for you you know I don't know but then again it's one of those complex things where it's like I understand where she's coming from it's a, mo- it's a motivator yeah you, you want to survive and if you're lucky enough to, it's like the whole Maslow's hierarchy. If you can, you know, mm-hmm. satisfy your base needs, in this case, survival, food, water, then you can then look for something else. And for her, that was finding, having someone there to share things with. And Yeah, well, like she even said, like in the opening scene, well, not the opening scene, but one of the first things scenes, she's sitting under the bridge with the a room. gun ready to pop her. And you hear the voiceover. She goes, I was just saying, hey, God, if you don't find me something after this beer, I'm going to do it. And sure enough, here was Shelby. So Shelby was her, like saving grace yeah. you know yeah. her, her only and tie to make if, a real world connection yeah so her feelings about her eileen's about selby's are definitely distorted by I the do, fact that she just need it could have you know probably yeah. been anybody at that moment like she just needed someone to care about her mm-hmm. just to show just, an ounce of compassion and just yeah. like any kind of well that's i'm sure I, most of her motivation was really self selfish and i don't mean that in a no, mean it, way it's like she just needed someone to to, right. to adore her yeah. i mean she's saying that in that voiceover like as a child she like 
She never felt like that adoration from anybody. Mm-hmm. Like she just wanted to feel loved. There's there's longing there, and while I'll be, and I hopefully take this as a compliment, but even like the little bit where Claire and the stylist at the very end, man, when she's donning the wig and you see her just kind of settle in, she's staring at herself in the mirror and she was, you know, it's the glass, that glass ceiling's a bitch trying to almost like recreate that moment. Yeah. But there's some sadness to that character. That was the first thing that hit me when I saw yeah. that short. I was I like, Jesus up. Christ. Yeah. I, I was, was like, like, Oh, I just saw some horrific shit, but at the same time. And again, I don't know if it's because I'm an introvert, socially awkward person, but I was like, I like, damn you, Claire, that was nasty. But, uh, Oh damn you, Claire! No, <laughs> so you you emphasize was... with her, even if you've been one of the popular kids, weird kids, whatever. There's always still that wanting to belong and wanting to be loved, and just that that last sound and shot and the stylist, no, it, it, fucking heart wrenching. It, it, That's kind of the like I, with her, we're trying to. I was trying to. I more think like she's thinking she wants to. She. She's been so sad and lonely her life. She wants to feel what it feels like to be someone else yeah. versus trying to find someone to fix mm-hmm. her. She's trying to like escape herself. Yeah. A, a refresh. Clearly. A, hit the reset button. That's Hence not the variety the way of she's trying. wigs and potentially. <laughs> Many a personas out there that you can try on. As... That's what her like crying is about in that moment is like... It's... This doesn't it's clearly work. Yeah. Oh fuck! Damn it! <laughs> well, hopefully it's we'll get everything is still horrible. Maybe worse now. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get to continue that with a feature film. So any producers out there, out there, you yeah. can finance. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> throw some money six tape away. I think it's well deserved. But um, just kind of not necessarily to wrap it up, but just kind of transition. That I just think it's a nice connection between you know the, the the work that you've done at this point, and then you know reverse engineering it back to. Patty Jenkins, Charlize Theron, what they did in Monster, just the collaborations. You've obviously got started now with, um, is it Najara? Najara. Uh, Najara. I was going to kill her name, but you've already, now this is, you know, multiple times working with them. So do you feel like a little bit of a kinship there? With that yeah. Um, she's incredible. She's like made this film amazing. <laughs> um, I feel like that's probably how Patty Jenkins feels about Fletcher sure. and Charlie's Theron is like the best performance of all time. Um, those kind of roles are very hard. You can see even in Najara's face at the end, like her like up and down from like, she's like about to crack into tears, but then pulls it right back together. Like that's incredible. And that's all her, like, I don't understand. (laughs) It's incredible. Um, I definitely want to work with Najara every time it makes sense. And I think it will always in every film make sense that there's a role for her. Um, we're dying to bring Claire back to life, and I have another project that I've basically I let her read the script. And I'm like, I feel like you could play multiple of these people. Which one <laughs> do you like the most? Like that's how much I like her. <laughs> Najara is she is super talented, and um, I can't remember. I I love everything she's that I've seen her do. But there was one short aside from the stylist that I thought of Najara's that was fantastic, and it was the one of the alien. Is it feeding time? Is it feeding? Oh no no. The one that you was do set need to see at feeding the... time, but um which is online now by Matt Mercer. She's in it. Okay. You're talking about um Etheria played it. Etheria played it. And With this where they're at the little ski resort. Yeah, they, they, go to ski like a, they go to like yeah. a big rave yep. yeah. and it's sci fi and That's creepy. A, yeah. yeah. That was that one is super really good. That one was that really one was good. That's okay. We'll kill some time while you look that up and there, Jill. Speaking of Etheria, um, congratulations again mm-hmm. on bringing uh, Stacy and Etheria to slaughter. It was super fucking fun. Yes, we like to s- celebrate every women in horror month and bring the Etheria lineup. To the Kansas City. And the fact um, that it was on your birthday before your birthday was pretty awesome, too. Happy birthday. Always lines up. My birthday gets to be pretty exciting. It's beyond perfect timing. It's <laughs> kind of scary when it comes to that. This was an excellent lineup this year at Etheria. There was some really good shorts. And, like, Stacy always picks some fantastic things. And what she does and why she does it is absolutely amazing. So Hell yeah. And stay tuned because uh, we will be releasing a mini episode where Genius does indeed talk with Jill and Stacy. Oh and, my. Oh we yes. had been drinking all day. And we I talk about drinking all day. All. <laughs> so it'll be a looser <laughs> little bit of a conversation than what you might normally but, get here. But we didn't go into the fact that you and Stacy recreated the uh, Laverne and Shirley at the brewery. Shut that the front door. That didn't happen. She said she wished it she happened. Wished it <laughs> 
They're give us any chance it. they'll take it give us any rule they'll break it so did oh, you find okay. make our dreams come Rain true it back in doing it doing our way. Way. um that that <laughs> awesome sci-fi film we were discussing yes najara stars in is called substance the substance written and directed by barbara stepansky women I hope in horror I said month that right. shout out Love Barbara's work. I wonder if that's online. If it is, you should find it. You should, but sh- awesome. find it legally, please. Oh, it's also on. Um, is it on the the, the new seven, seven? The one she's putting out, Etheria, which is a little anthology Etheria put out. I believe it's already on Amazon. Is it? Get it now, y'all. Excellent. Yeah, Get definitely on it. check it's it out. Streaming on, it's streaming on Prime. Watch it. Oh, hell yeah. And I know all y'all have Amazon <laughs> Prime, so you have no excuse not to see that. Substance, check it out. It's dope. It's so, really dope. Where can our listeners find you again, Jill? On all of the social medias at Jill Six and Six Tape, yo. And pictures of Greg not knowing what the rap music <laughs> is. Yes, please. Wandering around cluelessly. So until next week, gang. Uh, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And, and Jill Six Mafia. <laughs> now I'm hot hoes all on me. It's true. Jill Six. We'll see you in your dreams. Who?